0: This is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better Android developers.
1: I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal.
0: Welcome to the show.
1: Kaushik, how are things going on your end? Things are going great, Don. I recently picked up a few of my open source apps and you know, I was trying to like, you know, update the dependencies, get it spruced up, trying jetpack compose, updating things, and it's been interesting.
0: So did you spend like the whole time just updating the dependencies and not doing any coding?
1: (laughs) I will say, unfortunately, a good few hours were spent, mostly because I also feel when I was updating things, you know, there's the usual stack overflow thing. You see the answer, you just change something, and then suddenly everything starts compiling. So a lot of that happened, but I did at some point stop and think, you know, I wish I could just try to understand what each of these things were you know, and I did spend some time Googling, but that's where like this topic became suddenly very interesting.
0: It is. Yeah. So what were those things that you're trying to figure out? And uh, if you want to kind of introduce our guests, it would be probably the best way because you're, you're kind of the one that kind of kicked this off.
1: Yeah. So you know how like you have those build cradle files where you have source compatibility, target compatibility, you have a JDK version, you, you know, 17, JDK 1.8. And it's sort of like I've mechanically understood what needs to change. And, you know, you have all of those settings and then you change them and then you never have to worry about it again. Part of me was like, hey, I wish I didn't have to spend hours trying to understand each of these things. I would like to understand what they stand for and why we have those different variants. And I thought our listeners would enjoy that too. But instead of me having to like talk all of that, I went back in memory and tried to think, hey, who would be an excellent guest who would help us with this stuff. And without further ado, we brought our good friend of the show, Michael Bailey, back. Welcome to the show, Michael.
0: Thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah, this is fantastic to have you back. You have been on some of the early episodes of Fragmented, I think as our notes have it here, 9, uh, 10, and episode 78. So Michael's a repeat guest here. So thanks again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: It's, it's funny, Michael was referenced as Yogurt Earl. Oh, and if you want to know the story, go back to like, I've, I think episode nine, but he's referenced literally in our very first episode. The very first episode of Fragmented had something about testing. And I think it was a talk that maybe Michael gave, like, you know, an espresso and Spock. Oh, good old days, huh? So yeah, he's, he's definitely been a staple, uh, you know, in many of our episodes. And in fact, episode 10, was about core java so i i figured hey you know if there's anyone who knows all of this this, this stuff it's got to be michael
2: yeah and i often refer people actually back to the uh, i give the youtube link to the recording of that episode when people say hey what's the meaning of yogurt earl and i just have that like ready to go right timestamp, <laughs> stamp right to the part where i explain uh, yogurt earl uh in that podcast so yes i would refer your, your users uh listeners back to that
1: that's funny <laughs>
0: Which if if nobody know, I mean, if you're listening to this and you have no idea what what Michael's talking about, um, I highly recommend we'll put it in the show notes. Go listen to that episode. But for folks, uh, again, Michael, that or maybe are just listening, it's been many years since we've had you on. Maybe there's some folks who don't know who you are, where you work, kind of what you do, et cetera. Would you mind giving us just a, a brief introduction of who you are, just for the for the new listeners? Yeah, sure.
2: I'm a distinguished engineer at American Express, and working on our mobile apps and specifically on our Android app. Um, But I also get involved in our JVM practice at American Express as well. And I've been there for quite a while, all the way back to when I was on those previous episodes and continue to work on that same Android app. You know, that's never done. The work's never done. There's always more to do, especially in the Android world, especially keeping up with all the the UI redesigns and new features. And there's an endless amount of work to do. So it's been a, a great journey.
1: Awesome. So, Michael, I wanted to kick it off, like, just basically, you know, as these questions were coming up in my mind when I started all of this, right? Like, you know, when I started updating the dependencies, and I figured it might be good to just start there and ask you some questions, right? Let's maybe start the, you know, super basics. Typically, when, you know, you spin up a project, the thing that you think about is like, hey, what version of Java are you using, right? And maybe it even starts before that. This one might seem obvious to some folks, but it's worth mentioning, right? There's JDK, there's JRE, there's the version of Java using, you know, OpenJDK is probably the one that most people use. Can you maybe start us off there? Like what exactly is the differences between JDK and JRE? That's the ultra basics, but then we'll start to gradually pepper in some of these things. So a a JRE is roughly speaking, a subset of the JDK. The
2: JDK is meant for developers. So it has the compiler and a lot of developer-related tools that help you build and package a Java-based application, whereas the JRE is the Java runtime. So it's just the bit that needs to actually execute uh, that Java application, which includes the JDK libraries and the JVM uh, that's included there. So it's a reduced subset uh, because if you're not a developer, you don't need the compiler and some of the other tools that would come in the JDK, which is the Java Development Kit. And JRE is the Java Runtime uh, or yeah, Java Runtime Edition, I guess. Uh, and I have to actually think about what the, the acronym stands
1: for. Environment? Java Runtime Environment or Edition. Actually, that's a good point. I don't know. Yeah, maybe environment. That makes more sense. No, but I, I, so that's... So if I was just someone who was... Using you know a computer that ran applications that were using Java, then typically the JRE is what I would expect to be installed, right? Whereas with the JDK, if I'm an Android developer, I need the JDK,
2: right? Yeah, in a more modern application that's distributed to uh, desktops, you would typically want to package it with something called JPackage. So when you have a JDK, um, there's a tool that comes with the JDK called JPackage that builds takes your source code and parts of the JRE and builds a installable package for the sort of host system so that you don't have to rely on there being a JRE already installed that may not be the right version. You may need different versions for different programs so that the application would actually bring its own uh, JRE and that get installed as part of that application. As a more modern way to do it. If you remember back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, a lot of conflicts between different what JRE versions on here and things like that. But now it's a bit more easy if if people package the JRE into the application when they distribute it for desktop applications.
1: So that's actually a good segue, right? Like, so Android Studio technically is an application, you know, that you run on your computer. I know there's some nuances there with like the version that Android Studio itself uses. Can you walk us through... What happens there? Like, what is the version that Android Studio uses? And there are certain settings that I set inside Android Studio, right, which may not necessarily point to the same version. Uh, can you help, like, piece some of that together as well?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of different um, <laughs> JREs, JDKs, and runtimes involved uh, when you have JREs. So, yeah, when you get Android Studio installed, it packages its own runtime. The latest versions of Android Studio package a version of Java 17 runtime that comes with uh, Android Studio. It's actually a JDK because it's a development tool. So it would need all of the the tools that uh, come around a JDK 17 um, that packages with it. So you don't already have to have a JDK install when you install Android Studio. But often when you build your own application, you're going to want to think about what are all the JDKs involved at the different points in actually building my application and may not want to use the version that's bundled with Android Studio, you may want to install your own JDK. Because in an Android application, typically you're using Gradle as your build tool. And Gradle itself is also a Java application. So Android Studio is a Java application with its UI written in swing running on your desktop. Gradle is a JVM-based application uh, that also needs a JDK to run on. And then Gradle also spawns off a lot of other processes that are going to need their own versions of JDK. And that's where things can get complex. And a lot of these tools and uh, settings that you see in in Gradle files and elsewhere uh, affect which JDKs get used at which part of the lifecycle.
0: There's one thing that always confuses me when I'm getting set up. And like you said, something very important there. Sometimes you might not have the JDK installed that you want. And when I want to go install a JDK, I know there's various different versions. Like There's like ones from Oracle, there's ones from other companies, there's open source ones, there's all these other types of... Maybe Google, I have no idea. There's so many of them sometimes that I even get confused and I'm in the Java world. How does one go about determining what type of JDK they should install? Are there any good rules of thumb that they can use to follow that? Or what would you advise someone who is in that situation? Yeah. So all of these JDKs, generally, pretty much anyone that you're going
2: to get is going to be rooted itself in a GitHub project called OpenJDK slash JDK. That's where the source code lives. Okay, And pretty much every version is rooted in that open source code base. And what you get is distributions where various Communities and people and companies have taken this set of open source code uh, available on GitHub and compiled it uh, for various platforms. and then they give you binaries that you can install. And so a lot of these are very similar. They may have different patches. They may have slightly different things that you you may get with them. But most of the ones that you're going to get um, that are open source based ones are, uh, going to be very similar. So a common one is um, from the Eclipse Foundation is called Temarin. That is one open source uh, JDK that you can get. Um, there's another one called uh, Zulu, which is another distribution of the open JDK. And some of these ha- offer different support for different platforms. So for example, if you had an application, you needed a JDK 8 running on an ARM version of a a processor on your Mac. Uh, For example, at least the last time I checked, the Zulu JDK offers an ARM uh, JDK 8 version for Mac, but Timurin does not. So there's slight differences like that. And depending on the needs of your team and your application, you may have to choose based on some of those uh, things. But for the most part, most people aren't going to notice the difference.
1: There was, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try my best not to take us on a tangent there, but that ARM uh, mechanism you mentioned is very interesting, right? Because typically mobile devices are all like ARM uh, processors, right? Like at least for the most part, most common mobile devices use ARM processors. And for the longest time, our machines, like, you know, people who use Macs or even PCs for that matter, all were Intel-based <laughs> machines, right? And so I don't know if you folks remember, there was a point of time where our emulators used to be like, you know, super slow. But then there was this whole Intel Hacksum thing that came in, you know, HAXM. I won't go into the details, but like, you know, I, I thought it would be a good place to point that, you know, they brought uh, an emulator that works in the same processor. But things like now that with the Mac, the, you know, more recently, the Macs have started running ARM, like they have ARM processors, like, you know, with the M1 series, things have gotten like easier because now you can just, you know, use emulators that are ARM-based and, you know, that matches with mobile devices. So yeah, I thought I'll throw a quick tangent there, but thank you, Michael. That was, yeah, that, that would make sense. I use Zulu a lot, uh, you know, the JDK. I'm going to tell you how I install it. You Can you tell me if this is like the right way or like, you know, how do people typically install JDKs? I use Homebrew because I'm on the Mac. You know, there's, you, you can tap one of these like uh, Homebrew repositories and then I just install the Cask for, the specific version I'm looking for, right? Typically, I stick to Zulu JDK 17 and JDK 11 and whatever, like, you know, the ones that I use. Is that like a recommended way? How how do people usually install these JDK versions and distributions rather? sorry.
2: Yeah, Homebrew is a community-based system for downloading various packages. And so they have specs that say how to download and install, and it knows, you know, the, the download location for that. So that's, and it'll keep it up to date for you. Um, so that's the nice thing about um, a tool or a package manager like Homebrew is that you'll get the latest updates for the packages that you install. So that's definitely a way to um, install the JDK. That's a, it's a bit more, um, it's a, it's a manual way of installing it. There are ways that you can think about automating some of this. Um, and there's a, a community-based project called FuJ that actually has a lot of information about all of the different JDK distributions that are out there. What are the attributes of each one? And then they provide APIs to actually query where are the location of the JDKs, what's the latest version. So you could actually use um, their APIs to sort of query that and then do some automation around which JDK do I use and which JDKs are available and are there updates available if you wanted to take a more... Automated approach if you have a larger team uh, where you want to uh, automate the install of JDKs and automate the updates um, is one way to do that.
1: Oh, wow. See, I didn't even know what Fujay was <laughs> until you mentioned it. Yeah, me either. It's the first time I heard it. That's pretty cool. Backing up just a little, right? I, I realized I had another question that came to mind. You said that the Open JDK source code lives in GitHub, right? You know, there's Open JDK uh, there and there's different distributions. You know. This might seem like a very new question, right? But what exactly is the J Like what lies in the OpenJDK and what do distributions do? Like, is it sort of like an API that exists in the OpenJDK GitHub repository and the distributions are like implementations or, you know, binary implementations? Can, can you help me plug that hole? Like that's one missing question mark in my mind.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much a full implementation of everything you need to build, let's say, you know, JDK 17. It's got the JVM, which the the one that comes in that repo is called the Hotspot uh, uh, JVM. And it comes with all implementation of all of the Java APIs. So things like Java util string and all the other JP- APIs, part of the standard library for Java comes with the Java compiler and all of the related tools. So all the source code is there to build those tools in the repo, but nobody wants to go build their own JDK from source. So that's where the distributions come in, Ah. is that they've gone and they've built it uh, for these various different platforms and operating systems and architectures and, uh, you know, x86 architecture versus ARM architecture. And occasionally, if there's an issue with getting it to compile, then maybe they've applied a specific patch um, that gets it to work on this version of the operating system with this architecture and things like that. So they attend that work of taking it from source code to a binary that's sort of ready to use for you. That's what the distribution does. It's similar in some ways to what like, the Linux kernel is to Linux distributions, right? Like You don't want to go compile your own kernel and, and put all the other stuff that you need with it, right? And so that is a place for everybody, all the community to collaborate on you know next versions of JDKs and get the source code but the average developer uh, just wants uh, the bits that they can use uh, to do
0: their work. Interesting. One of the questions that I have here regarding, or I guess it's similar to when I'm installing, I, I've figured out, you've helped me figure out which one I need to install. Maybe it's, it's, it's Zulu because I'm running an M2 or whatever, uh, or an ARM processor. Let's say I'm looking at my Android Studio and I'm looking at the settings of my project and I'm noticing that I've got a bunch of different settings in here for you know build tools gradle has a setting for the gradle jdk the sdk looks like it has a location for maybe a gradle you know jdk there's are there different jdks that can be installed on my machine for android studio versus the command line and if so how do i manage that properly so i can get the, like, the same environment in my ide as well as in perhaps the command line
1: Can does it even matter? Like you know, can I just you know, really nearly use whatever you know (laughs) comes default, or is there a benefit? Yeah, is there a problem? Yeah, is this a problem?
2: You're generally going to want to make try to make sure that the JDK that you're using on the command line is going to be the same JDK that your builds from Android Studio run, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you want consistency. You don't want a build that doesn't work from the command line and works in Android Studio, and that could be a frustration uh, for sure. But also, if you even have a slightly different version, even if they're both JDK 17, let's say you have two installs somewhere on your disk, the Android Studio and the command line Gradle builds that you do might end up spawning more than one Gradle daemon because they have different JDKs that they're using or different JDK options passed into those JDKs. And there's a way in Android Studio, there's a, if you do the you know, find actions command in Android Studio, you can like show Gradle daemons and see if you're running more than one. Um, Because that can be a big use of memory both on your local machine. You also want to make sure on like a CI machine that you're not spawning more than one Gradle daemon at a time because that can be using memory. And Gradle sort of left to its own devices will always sort of check before it uses a Gradle daemon. Hey, is this match the configuration of the build I'm about to do? Does it have the right JDK version? Does it have the right options? Oh, I need a different one. I'll spawn up another one with the right options. And now you've got two or three. So you want to try to Look at where you're using on the command line, which is generally uh, the JDK underscore home environment variable uh, on a Mac and Java underscore home environment variable will determine which one Gradle uses from the command line. And then you can tell Android Studio to try to pick it up from your Java home um, as well. So it'll uh, pick it up from what you have set there. Or you can explicitly say, I know what my command line one is using. I want IntelliJ to use this one. And then you can set that in the the Gradle tab of the Android Studio uh, settings.
0: Okay, excellent. Thank you for clearing that up because I know every time I'll start getting, I'll be running something. I'm like, wait, why is, you know, why is Android Studio using a different version than you know Java? Or I'll, I'll get an error maybe in my IDE or on the CLI that's not the same. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, I'm using a different, you know, Java version for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I even wrote a blog post about this some time back where it was a common known optimization for Android Studio where if you match, and it's exactly what you were saying, Michael. If you match the versions, then you don't spawn an ad- additional demon and then eat up all your memory, right? Because then your machine would slow down because you have multiple demons. So it's 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 so funny. I do think now though that Android, Android Studio does warn you, if I remember correctly. I for some reason I don't know. I, I remember see, seeing this warning, but I think it tries like when you open up a project, it attempts to match the same thing, or at least tells you like, hey, you might be using a different version.
2: Yeah, I definitely seen more um, intelligence in Android Studio where it tries to warn you about things that may not be optimal. You know, in the in the newer versions of Android Studio, you're going to want to also think about when you're when you're doing your build. You, you want to think about which version of the JDK you have installed, and generally these go into the major version numbers from eight to eleven to seventeen. Now, what are these? Yeah, what are those? So eight is a version that came about uh, ten years ago. Um, And so it's been out for quite a while. Um, And then they've started to pick up the pace with six months releases in in the JDK world so they can get preview features out there uh, more often to get feedback from the community, which is a great thing. Um, But then they've also instituted what they call LTS, which is common among a lot of um, pieces of software, which is long term. support version, which means that version will get uh, updates and security updates uh, for an extended period of time as opposed to a non-LTS version. And so 8 was an LTS version, uh, 11 was an LTS version, 17 is an LTS version, and then later this year, they're going to be releasing JDK 21, and that will also be an LTS version. And then I think the plan is to get an LTS version roughly uh, every two years. And so you need to think about what JDK your Gradle build needs to run on. That's sort of the first step is thinking about what plugins do I have in, in my Gradle build? And what pl- uh, what version do they need? And what version of Gradle am I using? And what does that support? So on the latest version of everything, I think if you're on the like latest stable version of the Android Gradle plugin, you're going to want to use JDK 11 as of today. And these things are rapidly evolving. So that advice will soon be out of date. But And Gradle supports JDK 11. Soon, I think with the latest Canary versions of the Android Gradle plugin, um, you're going to want to use JDK 17. And actually, I think you can already use JDK 17. So I take that back. You you can already use JDK 17 with stable, but you don't have to yet. But soon you will need to use JDK 17 uh, with the latest uh, Canary versions of Android Gradle plugin, which will soon be Stable, And so that's what's actually running your Gradle process, your build script files, the Android Gradle plugin code. So that's one version of the JDK. And then there's some others that you need to worry about all along the lifecycle for other parts of your build and then at, at runtime when your application's running on, on Android.
1: It's so funny because I ran into that exact same error, Michael. Uh, and it, it totally crept up on me because I think I used Android Gradle plugin 8.0.2 versus 8.0.1. And, you, I, and I, I I'm, again, I hope I'm getting these numbers correct, but, you know, folks can correct me if I didn't. I remember seeing an error when I updated to 8.0.2 saying like, hey, your compile debug Java with Java C task, you know, current target is 17 and, you know, your compile debug Kotlin ta- task is uh, 11. So, you know, there's some compatibility issue. That was the error that I saw. Obviously, attack overflowed it. Then I started to understand and, you know, I think it now what you're saying is starting to make sense to me, Michael, because all I had to do was bump the version from 11, you know, the last LTS version to 17, because I, t- to your point, I think, you know, they're requiring some of those things. So this is all, you know, making sense to me. It's also funny because I, you know, at one point I used to think, hey, why is it that it's, if you ask like, you know, the most common versions, popular versions, it's 8, 11, 17, well, obviously the whole concept of LTS pieces that together. So yeah, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, and that you can actually separate some of the versions that you use because they at times they may need to be different, or there may be reasons you want them different. So the version that Gradle itself runs on and AGP and your build scripts run on can actually be different than the version of code that your compiler, your Java compiler runs in, and your Kotlin compiler runs in, and that your tests run in. So Gradle has a capability called toolchains where you can tell Gradle. I want my toolchain to be 17, even though, let's say, Gradle is running on 11, your toolchain and might be 17 or, or vice versa. And that tells anything, any tasks in your Gradle build that are toolchain aware. And as of the recent versions of Kotlin and the recent versions of Android Gradle plugin, they're all toolchain aware, which means they look at what toolchain you've set uh, for that uh, subproject. And they'll pick it up and they'll go and use that version of the SDK. And Gradle will actually download and install that version if it doesn't already find one on laying around on your system. So you can actually say 17. And if your Gradle build running on 11 and you say toolchain 17, it's going to go look around for a 17. If it doesn't find one, it's going to download and cache a version of JDK 17 for you. And then it's going to use that to run the Java compiler and the Kotlin compiler. Um, and any other tasks that are toolchain aware uh, within your Gradle build, so it allows you to have a separation between what Gradle is running on and what your uh, code is compiling with.
1: Wow. Okay. So this is this, getting well, deep. I like this. Yeah. I know. I just like boom. Suddenly, all of this is starting to make sense to me, right? Like because that error message used to say, "Consider using JVM toolchain." I didn't think twice about it, but now I'm realizing that's actually like a separate feature that Gradle provides in order to like be helpful around this am i understanding that right so jvm toolchain is literally like a like a feature with gradle that allows you to sort of play around with these different versions
2: it's a feature It's a feature of Gradle, Java toolchains, and then specific plugins and tasks have to be toolchain aware and sort of opt into that system so that they can use the toolchain that's been declared.
1: Ah, so Kotlin, like so typically a lot of folks, if you have your build Gradle file, you, the Kotlin task actually does have an option called JVM toolchain. So this is plugging into that, if I'm understanding correctly. Well, there's JVM target on Kotlin, which is still again a,
2: a little bit different <laughs> okay. than the toolchain.
1: Oh, so yeah, so that's Kotlin options JVM target. You're yeah, right. Okay, let's go into that. How is that different from the toolchain now? So
2: there, yeah, there's <laughs> there the, we go. Yeah, it's a, it's a few levels deep, right? It's yeah. <laughs> you may be running, let's say on, you may have declared a toolchain of J, J, JDK 17, uh, and so that means you're. JDK seventeen is used to execute the Kotlin daemon, which is compiling your Kotlin code and also your your Java source. But then you could tell Kotlin what type of bytecode do you want it to output, and so you can tell Kotlin, I want you to even though you're running on let's say JDK seventeen, I want you to output Java eleven byte bytecode or Java eight bytecode, and that's what the JVM target is for Kotlin. And then Java has similar uh, things. So they're the older way of doing it in Java is source compatibility and target compatibility, which...
1: I was going to ask that, because that's like a common setting you find as well.
2: Yeah, it's in compile options, right? Yeah. When you're telling the Java compiler with source compatibility and target compatibility, source compatibility is saying, when you read in my source files, my .java files, only use features up until that version. So if I had source compatibility 11, it's only going to allow those Java files to use Java 11 language features at uh, in those files. The target compatibility at uh, the JDK is what type of bytecode it output. Did it uh, output JDK byte, uh, 11 bytecode or JDK 8 bytecode? That's the target compatibility. Usually you would want those to be both the same, although not necessarily. Although in new, newer versions of the JDK, now you don't really need to use those. Although I think you still have to use those for Android specifically. Because Android is still only uh, in the Android block in your configuration, they still have source compatibility and target compatibility. But there's actually a, a version or an option on uh, newer JDKs called release. And if you use the release option, you don't need to use source and target compa- compatibility. And release sort of bundles up three concepts in one. Before you had two separate concepts, source and target, but there was actually a missing concept between both of those, which was which version of the JDK APIs. Can I use? So let's say there's a new thing on string. There was a new method introduced at some point called um, string strip indents, right? And I think that was that's in a more modern version of Java, but that's in the API library. So there's the source language version, there's the output bytecode version, and then there's the JDK APIs version. And release bundles all three of those concepts into one. And so if I set release eleven. That means it's not going to allow me to call any JDK APIs that were introduced after 11. It's going to output a bytecode that is compatible with 11. And it will also make sure the syntax is compatible with 11. So there was sort of a missing concept before in source and target. And now with the release, you only set it in one place and they all match up.
0: Are you going to be able to use that in Android eventually? Or can you do that now? or Or are we still with the source and target compatibility in Android? And the last time I checked, I think they don't have a, an option to
2: set release in the Android DSL. Okay. Um, so you would set it at the Java level, and then you would have to look at what Android is picking up. And you have to match it with the Kotlin version because if, if your Java version doesn't match up with the Kotlin version, you'll see warnings. And so you've got to try to match up all of those settings uh, so that you're outputting the bytecode that you need. Because if you output Let's say you call a newer version of a JDK library that's not available on Android in your Android application, then you're gonna have problems at runtime in your Android application. So now we're getting into more of the Android space. And yeah, it's a lot of things to line up.
1: Got it. Yeah. This this is the kind of thing. It is funny you brought up like some of these features, right? Another common thing that I do is for date specifically, like, you know, because that's the common one. Like, you know, up until quite maybe recently too. People, if you wanted to use a lot of uh, date features, you know, the standard answer, and we maybe did an episode on this too, was using Joda time, right? And then there was that evolution, which is, uh, you know, I think maybe Jake added a library saying, oh, you know, you know, we, if you want it to be Android specific or something, there was, I forget, what is it? 3A file, I'm going to forget the name, but I'll, I'll try to add it in the show notes, you know.
2: JSR310, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, it was actually a library. I forget the name of the library for Android.
0: Three ten wasn't it?
1: Oh yeah, It was, it was like
0: three ten B something like that. I, I forget. Yeah,
1: or uh, uh, yeah, A three ten or something. But now, more recently, uh, I think what you're saying, Michael, is you know the core library desugaring feature is added, and that's the recommended approach. So like, you don't even need to sort of like use any of these libraries because the recommended approach is just target one of these things. So.
2: But uh, I was uh, on the core library desugaring, you have things, let's say, for example, the Java libraries where or the Java time libraries where that was added in Java 8. So you got Java.time, but Android itself didn't ship with fully all of the Java 8 APIs until API 26. And so if you're targeting, if your min SDK is something before API 26, you're not going to have access to those Java.time APIs on the device, depending on what device your application is installed on. And so what they did with core library desugaring, that's a feature of the Android Gradle plugin. They took some of that code, which is part of OpenJDK, some of those libraries, and they actually inject it into your application and sort of swap out that thing. So if your application is running on an older one, it actually uses the code that's actually in mm. your application because that code is missing on the device if it's older than API 26.
0: Oh, so, Wow. So they kind of just really like
2: mix it in, huh? Yeah. They insert it in your app, sort of like all the Android X stuff, and Compose is in your app and it comes with your app when you install it. The core library desugaring actually adds in a version from OpenJDK of the missing libraries if you're running uh, so that they can be used on older versions of Android.
1: Ah, OK. So, whew, OK. <laughs> a couple of like different pieces here, right? Like, I, I think so. On the Android side, we have source compatibility and target compatibility that I think I'm starting to understand that piece. We have the, uh, you you did bring up, and this is almost like the very first thing that any Android developer looks at, right? Which is compile SDK, min SDK, and target SDK. Are there, I guess the concept is similar to like, you know, the, the SDK using for compiling and the target SDK. And this is again, Android SDK, right? We're not like, we're slightly drifting away from the Java side. But are the concepts similar or like, you know, how do they relate? Like, you know, does the version I use, the JDK version I use, does it have anything to do with these three, you know, standard options that we usually pick? Like, you know, the, the compile SDK, min SDK, and target SDK for Android? Or are they just completely independent concepts? And, you know, usually you're not stepping on each other's toes. Yeah, they're not completely
2: independent, but they're sort of tied together in a sort of confusing way. And even these options are a little bit confusing because the min SDK is the minimum version of the, at the API level actually? So should, maybe we would call it min API um, version or something like that. But it's called min SDK. So that's the version that control they each control separate things. And depending on which ones you set, you're going to have access to features of uh, the JDK that will be there in that Android SDK version. So certain, so Android has as K versions, which are also is called API versions, so like API 23, API 26. The new one that uh, is for Android 14 is API 34. And those all bring with them what you can expect to be installed already on the device in terms of what Android APIs will be on the device in the platform, What which also includes which uh, Java APIs will be available on that version of the platform. So if you say... Um, and up until 26, Java was in this sort of like version Java seven, six and a half, seven and a half. like there was pits of 7 there, but not all of the pieces of 7 were there. But then um, with API 26, you got a lot of uh, 8, uh, most of the 8 APIs there. And you'll never have all of the Java APIs because things like Java Swing aren't included on Android, of course, and Corba and some other things that wouldn't make any sense to include. So it's when we say it's Uh, You know, you're getting Java 8 is most of Java 8, all the relevant parts uh, of Java 8. And API 26 was actually an interesting switch over too, because prior to API 26, Android, the source, we talked about the OpenJDK open source project. Android actually included uh, all those Java APIs, Java util string and all that stuff. Before API 26 was from a a project called Apache Harmony, which was another project and never implementation of those libraries. And that has, that project is now dormant and, and deprecated. And with API 26, they switched over to using the same code that you get when you have a JDK that is now packaged with Android. And so when you say your min SDK um, configuration in the APK, that is telling at install time, it's going to check the min SDK against the version of Android that you're trying to install on. And if it's less, if I say my min SDK is 26, but I'm trying to install on a device that's Android let's say, Android 6, which is API 23, it's going to say you can't install this on there. So it won't be made available through Play Store and it won't be uh, able to be installed on the device. So that's what min SDK controls. It's really about the install time. Can you install on this device? Then there's compile SDK, which is another setting for your your Android uh, application or library, which is during the compilation step with the Kotlin compiler and the Java compiler, which version of the Android APIs am I going to compile against? And that also implies a version of the Java APIs that were involved in that version of the SDK. So, for example, if I say compile SDK 26, that means I get uh, I, my source code can reference Java 8 APIs, and you get Java 11 and most of Java 11 and API 33, and you get l- some of Java 17 and in uh, API 34. And so depending on if you're compile SDK, you're going to have access to those APIs, which are part of OpenJDK. And then there's target SDK, um, which is a different yet a different concept, which means that at the time I built this, I was aware of all the restrictions of this API level. So it's more of a runtime check. So min SDK is an install time thing. Compile SDK is a compile time thing and target sdk only affects you at runtime when your application is running android itself checks your target sdk and if it's older it gives you a little bit of slack because it knows that code was written at a time when you didn't even know about these new this new version of android but google also forces you to upgrade your target sdk every year so you're going to have to learn you know, you're going to have to upgrade your code to deal with the newer versions of android but that's a way at runtime for Android to sort of cut your application some slack and know, okay, this application was written a year ago, so it didn't even know about the new version of Android. So it's been, we're going to work in sort of a co- compatibility mode because of the target SDK.
1: Ah, so yeah, but my follow up question was going to be, why do we have all these things? <laughs> Can we not just like you know avoid? What is the benefit of having a target SDK when you have a min SDK? It makes sense, right? Can I install this thing? Compile SDK makes perfect sense. Okay, this is the version that I'm actually compiling. What was the benefit of the target SDK? But I think it's um, piecing together. So stepping back, do you have a recommendation? I know this is a hard question right? because it's like it's, it's like well, it depends on your situation. But if you were like, what is a general practice that you fall like that you would recommend as an Android developer to look at these versions? Right? Do you say, hey, just try to use the latest versions because in general you want to like you know stay. When that when it comes time to upgrade, it makes that upgrade smoother, uh, you know. Or do you say, "Hey, just go for the most default"? Like you know what the docs uh, point to. How do you approach, or how do you recommend you know people approach all these multitude of versions? Yeah, I
2: would say so. I uh, a different approach for each one. So let's start with uh, Min SDK. is going to be more a bit of a product decision for how much do I want to support people who are running older devices. So. You need, you should, I recommend looking at the statistics for a particular application, understanding if I increase my min SDK, how many people can no longer install the updates for that application. So that's sort of the calculation that you have to do on min SDK. And then it's a product decision of like, okay, I'm going to lose 1% of people can't upgrade uh, my app because I no longer support that old version of Android. And is that the right trade-off for this product and and, and the trade-offs we have to make? So I Min mean, SDK is really a product decision based on the particular set of users for that application and what versions of Android they have installed.
1: And was there like a I know in the early days it mattered a lot, right? Because you generally don't get access to a lot of the android apis that you need to build in functionality but you know with the support library like you know a lot of you know the android x stuff it, a lot of the features that you want are sort of like got baked into you know like the libraries that you would pull in as against uh, and that's an entirely different topic I, I know but like you know is there a, a benefit you would still say you know or is that something that you would say look at what apis you provide and then try to support or Do you recommend, like, hey, no, just try to keep bumping that up as much as your product allows you to without if you're not losing a big swath of your user base?
2: Yeah. If you're not using loser, yeah, or if you're not losing users, then yeah, bump up your min SDK. And again, it's going to be a product decision. It's a lot easier to maintain an older min SDK than it used to be. In the early days of Android, you were missing out a lot uh, with a really old min SDK um, because this was before Android X. This was before core library desugaring, but if you with core library desugaring and Android X, it is it's a much less of a burden to support an older Min SDK version than
1: it used to be. Okay. So that makes sense with Min SDK. Uh, what is your suggestion with let's go with compile SDK?
2: For compile SDK, I always recommend targeting the very latest with compile SDK. So as soon as it comes out, as soon as it sort of goes final and platform stability is what they call it, right? So as of the recording of this, Android 14, which is API 34, just hit platform stability recently, which means now you could update your um, application uh, to have compile SDK 34. So as soon as you can get to the latest version of compile SDK, um, I always recommend updating that because you'll get some some fixes you'll get better nullability support with a better compile SDK um, you'll have access to the the newer apis if you needed them so there's really no downside other than the work it takes uh, to upgrade your compile SDK um, to being on the latest version for that
1: because it's sort of a safe environment right when you bump the compile SDK you know you're going to get compilation errors if things don't work it's not going to like throw any unexpected stuff, uh, at least if you bump up the com- uh, compilers TK, right? So you can prepare your application. You could spin up a branch and then, you know, bump it up and see all the errors and gradually start fixing that. And, you know, everything still effectively sort of should remain the same other than your ability to keep your code updated. Yes, Yep. Yeah,
2: it's because it's compile time, it's not install time, it's not affecting the ability to install and it's not really affecting the runtime. So it's just the compile time, which is sort of, outside, you know, and in, in a thing that you can do in as you're at your leisure, uh, right? Because it's not um, affecting the actual install uh, or runtime of the device, uh, of the code. Makes sense.
1: And so let's move to target SDK, right? So what's your recommendation for target SDK? That one, you don't
2: have as much option on anymore. In the early days of Android, you could just keep your target SDK on an old one and it was worked it, and so people didn't. Now, you won't, you can't even you know, on a roughly yearly basis, Google Play won't let you launch updates to your app if a your target SDK is too old. So that one, you just have to keep up with the Google Play requirements is, you know, whatever Google Play tells you to do, you have to do it. Otherwise, you can't launch updates to your app is sort of the thing with target SDK. And that involves a lot of testing on the new version of Android. So you have to, for let's say Android 14, you have to get Android 14 loaded in an emulator, loaded on device, and you have to go through like what changed in this release, what things are applied to all applications, which things are only applied based on target SDK. And you have to test all these things at runtime and make sure you make adjustments so that it works with the new version of Android before you can bump your target SDK. But you really don't have much option if you want to keep updating uh, your application in the Google and uh, Google Play Store. Right. Uh, so you just have to keep up with their policies.
1: And this is sort of the unsafe uh, piece, right? Like, you know, where uh, compile SDK was safe. And I, I don't know if safe is the right adjective, but basically, target SDK is hey, my application can be run on this new version of Android. So go forth and install. Uh, you can therefore install it, is basically what we're saying. But, you know, unless you actually test and make sure things work correctly, so that's where like the work comes in, right? So you need to actually do the testing you know, before you can, I mean, yeah, sure, you can bump your target SDK, but that doesn't guarantee that everything's going to be safe past compilation, right? Like that's where you need to actually do the testing to see that everything's playing nicely.
2: Yep, absolutely. Because it changes the runtime behavior of newer versions of Android, but you need to really make sure you're, if you change your target SDK and test it on old version of Android, you're not going to see any difference. When you bump your target SDK, it's very important to be testing on the very latest version of Android too, because that's where the behavior differences will be.
1: That's the key point, right? Like, because people are like, okay, I bumped up my target SDK, things are working normally. You know, that it doesn't, yeah that's, a, yeah, that's a new mistake in the early days, right? You bump target SDK, make sure you have an emulator or, you know, preferably a device that's running that SDK to affect to those changes. Yep. Makes sense. One recommendation I have here is write laborious comments <laughs> i do this typically because again it's the kind of thing where I, you, you know you forget after some time and it is very application dependent right so i would say in your gradle file you know add comments saying hey last we checked in our user base, blah blah blah. this is what we noticed that's why I've, that reasoning you know having that like laid out somewhere you know i just usually like to have comments in the code right away there so you know people have that understanding uh it, it it really helps, you know, like for example, the target SDK, you know, Hey, Play Store just updated or like, you know, we know this update is coming. So that's my recommendation, but this, thank you for piecing those together. I feel I have a much better grasp now of those things.
0: Yeah. The uh, one thing I would also add to the target SDK is if you are needing to upgrade your target SDK because you've fallen behind or whatever, and you're not sure what to change, be sure to just Google whatever your SDK is that you're updating to you'll most likely end up on the developer.android page. And there's a section for each SDK called behavior changes for all apps. And then you can view another section there. So for example, for Android 14, it's called apps targeting Android 14. And then you can start seeing all the things that have changed inside of there. So for example, if you went to Android 13, you may know that you had to introduce two new permissions or the post notification permission came out. And like, these are things that require additional engineering time and sometimes these updates are not small if your application's big so you'll want to make sure that you're staying on top of it as much as possible but definitely utilize the documentation because it's full of all kinds of good stuff
1: you sent shivers up my spine because that was one of those updates that really like the permissions one like it was a good thing but man that wreaked havoc in like you know (laughs) in a lot of ways yeah so it's one of the yeah definitely yeah test (laughs) forth I actually had at one point like a GitHub repository because, and this was different, like in the early days, very different problem where I used to try to just highlight the most important things. right? Like, you know, if you're having a coffee conversation with someone saying, hey, did you update to in SDK? You now get this feature that you would really like to use. And it was somewhat popular and it made me think people really like that. Of course, like all of this is listed in great detail in the developer docs. I, I stopped maintaining that because, you know, after a certain point to what Michael was saying, it became less relevant with, you know, a lot of the support libraries and stuff. So I didn't bother updating in case people are wondering why that happened. Wow. That was a lot. I actually think I understand a lot of this stuff much better, though. Any parting words, Michael? Like, what are something? Actually, no, I have one last question. And this is more like a general philosophical question for, like, you know, maybe the Android team or whoever is, like, uh, watching do you think there is a world where we can just simplify all of this? Where, cause I I I oddly remember listening to a podcast. I think it was in the iOS side, right? Where they Apple is like obviously very tight about some of these things and like, you know, the upgrade path is simple. Do you think there is a world where for like Android development we can simplify these settings? Do you think we are heading in that direction? What are just your general thoughts? I mean, obviously there's no answer, right answer here, but as someone who's so deeply knowledgeable with this stuff, you know us the lay of the land. Like well, what do you see in our future with all these versions?
2: Yeah, it's it's hard because a lot of the pieces are controlled by different parts of the community, right? You have OpenJDK, which is one part of the community, and that goes in there. You have the Kotlin, which is another part of the community, and that goes into the mix. You have Gradle, which is another part of the community, and that goes in the mix. IntelliJ and Android Studio, which are open source projects. Into the mix, so you have all of these different open, and you know there's a lot of benefits to the open source. Where, but it adds a lot of these challenges, and then you have the backwards compatibility story. Where if we if it was all controlled uh, by uh, one group um, that was controlling all these things, and it was you know from scratch first principles, you know I don't think that they would design it exactly like this. <laughs> there's a lot of complication there, but I don't know that they have simplified a lot. Um, you know, like we talked about with MinSDK is easier to support older versions and the unbundled libraries and and things like that. So they've simplified um, a lot of the bits that I think that they can, but some of the, some of it is just inherent complexity in the way that the community is structured and inherent complexity of supporting older versions of 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 Android and just the way that Android works. And you'd have to fundamentally change some of the, uh, the principles of how Android works to, to simplify some of these. And I'll even give an example of how it's uh, a new thing that is relatively recent that actually adds a bit more complexity to this whole thing. Um, so maybe it's going in the other direction even, is S- SDK and extensions, where now on API, let's say I'm on API 32, in theory, I can actually use... Uh, an API 32 device, so a, a device that came out years ago. They're now with the mainline project, pushing updates from newer versions of Android to these older devices. And so you can actually use newer APIs on older devices that will be on that device, but you have to do a runtime SDK extension check. So you may do say, does this device have... And you're not even asking if it is running Android R. You're asking if it has the R extensions version 2. Which is a runtime check that's on top of the min SDK check that your app already did at install time. So they're actually which has a lot of benefits because you can use the newer stuff on older versions of Android but now you potentially have to think about that combination. It's another thing that you have to QA, another thing that you might have to try to set up an emulator for. Now some of these things are being you know integrated into Android X and so as long as you just call the right Android X, a- uh APIs you won't have to worry about SDK extensions cuz all those checks will be inside of Android X but that is another wrinkle you should at least be aware of of what's going on underneath Android X because when it all goes wrong and you didn't test on the right device you at least need to be aware of these uh different configurations that a device can now have where it's an older version of Android running stuff from newer newer Android for example the fo- new photo picker that came out in recent versions of Android is actually being updated and installed on older versions of Android, so we'll be able to use that on older versions of Android. But you have to have the right runtime checks and use the right uh, library.
1: It's cool. Yeah, it is super cool. The SDK extensions piece is basically it is a benefit for that problem, which is always plagued Android, right? Which is like, hey, people, like you know, manufacturers don't update quickly enough. We don't get all the features, blah blah blah. Um, so you know, in in some ways, this sort of helps with that specific problem. But I think you summarize it well, Michael, which is like, you know, when, the na- when you have different parties controlling this thing, frankly, it's fascinating this all works at all, <laughs> you know, with so many moving pieces. I'm, yeah, I'm mind blown that, you know, somehow all these things magically create an application that works on your phone. It's very fragmented. Uh, <laughs> um, Sorry. yeah, It's, it's, it's forgiven. It's, it's warranted given the, you know, sort of the magnitude of the situation here. A quick follow up, uh, Michael, did the SDK extensions piece, did some of that come as part of Project Titan or was that project, or was Project Titan sort of a different piece aimed at a different problem? Do you know offhand? I think it's,
2: it's part of, it's related to Project Mainline, I think, which is oh, where got,
1: it, got, it, got it. Okay, okay.
2: they're able to update parts of the core system sort of after the fact.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and I mean, again, I don't think we're going to go in because that's a independent episode. Like two separate episodes, just on Project Mainline and Project Titan. But yeah, that, that makes sense. That at least helps me sort of piece that together. Oof, Michael, thank you. I feel I've, I've, you know, I, I, I got a shot of like, <laughs> like knowledge here, and I think I need to like, you know, step back and meditate and think about all the things you've said. So, um, thank you for all of this knowledge and. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm sure folks are going to have questions. If they want to do that, what's the best way to reach out to you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Yogurt Earl. Yogurt
1: Earl. And I think if folks want to understand again, you know, the spelling and the origins of that, we'll make sure to add a link to that. Don, if people want to find out the origins of your handle, can you tell us what it is? Uh, It's just my name.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to Don Felker on Twitter or uh, donfelker.com is the best way to get a hold of me. And if folks want to figure out what new app you're trying to
1: update and how long you're spending on updating dependencies, where can folks do that? Gosh, I- uh My website, kau.sh, has links to all of that. And I, you'll find my regular rants now and then. If you notice it's late at night in Pacific time and I have like, you know, a tweet or whatever going out there, you know I'm basically angry because I'm trying something and it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, Michael, thank you so much for this. We really appreciate you and you know coming back to Fragmented and, you know, talking to us about this stuff. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening and we will catch you in the next episode. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Falker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We record the episodes ourselves. And Stan Widowitski edits and produces our show. You can find more episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.